Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another wonderful episode of Unbothered that we have for you all. Even though today's episode will still be great. Unfortunately, there is a terrible Thursday night football game on tonight. I think this is the worst game of the season in Panthers-Bears. We joked a few weeks ago about the Vikings-Panthers when they were both, I believe, 0-3, and the Bears, um, you know, Broncos at 0-3, you know, teams like that, um, playing this matchup. But this right here, this is downright bad. This is by far the worst primetime game of the year so far. And when you look at future primetime games, there's not a level of atrocity that you don't want to watch. So will I be breaking down this game? Sadly, unfortunately, I will. Then, after that, I'm going to be making some midseason picks, handing out some midseason awards, players that have done great, uh, teams that have done great, teams that have surprised me. I will be diving into them. And then I'm going to finish up with more Michigan news. So every day, something new breaks about Michigan. Yesterday, it was their response to the Big Ten and a 10-page letter that they wrote today. More leaks have came from this scandal and more sources or more reporters have sources that have announced things. So I'm looking forward to this episode today. Let's get started with the atrocity of a Thursday night football game, which is the Panthers-Bears. Now, for the Bears, this, to me, they're in great position. And if I'm the Bears, I'm actually tanking this game. Now, of course, they're not tanking because Justin Fields wants to keep his job, even though he is not playing tonight. Matt Eberflus, head coach, wants to keep his job. And, of course, Carolina's going to try. Why? Because they can't get the number one draft pick because they traded it to the Bears. And Bryce Young, Frank Reich, wants to win. So you have two teams that want to win. But Chicago, again, is in this win-win scenario because, guess what? We beat Carolina. We still like our odds at the number one draft pick. Uh, we lose, uh, and we're both 2-7. and seven. Uh, We still have that shot of getting two major weapons high in the top three, top four. So, yeah, no sweat really for the Bears. I think they're going to play freely. I actually think they're going to win on picking them just because I haven't seen what I've – haven't liked what I've seen from Bryce Young so far. Eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. Again, if Justin Fields was starting, I'd feel more confident. I believe uh, Tyson uh, Bajan or Banjit, excuse me there, uh, can lead his team uh, to a win, even though it won't look pretty. I like them uh, to win. And the sad thing is Matt Eberflus is such a bad coach. And I don't, we don't give him enough credit, or we don't, I don't know what the proper phrase is. We don't dog him enough, uh, or like I do Brandon Staley or Sean McDermott. I get on those two head coaches because they're terrible, uh, yet there's this illusion that they're good because they have these great quarterbacks attached to them and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen that make them look good, even though they're not a good coach. If they were either on the Bears, they'd be as bad as Matt Eberflus. So again, we don't give Matt Eberflus of a blame like we do um, Herbert, or I mean, my bad, McDermott and Staley. It's because there's nobody on the Bears. There's nobody that 
I go, wow, they have these star players, this great team. It's like, no, they are a bottom-of-the-barrel uh, dumpster fire of a team, and he's just, I feel bad. I don't know if it's nervous energy or if he just can't understand questions, uh, but yesterday he was asked about Justin Fields uh, being will be cleared to play, and then he kind of confused himself, saying that he's listed as doubtful. Another report, you know, said sources indicated that he was out, and he said, "Yeah, he's out." Then why would you list him as doubtful? Uh, it was kind of this awkward, cringy exchange between the reporter and the head coach, uh, back and forth. Um, again, I'm picking the Bears to win because simply. Carolina has no offensive output. They are in the bottom five of offenses. The only teams that uh, have less yards than them are the Pittsburgh Steelers, who somehow surprisingly have a winning record. The Las Vegas Raiders, again, who are terrible. The Jets, who I've called inept on offense, and the Giants, who are dead last, again, who are that bad. They only score 17 and a half points per game. Now, that is also not something to be proud of. At least you're not in the bottom five. You're still in the bottom ten, but scoring 17.5 points and allowing 28 points is not a record for success. So when you're being outscored uh, by 11, when you have a negative 11-point differential, that is not good. Thankfully, the total defense for Carolina has been decent this year. They are top ten in terms of Yards allowed per game, so I will give them credit for that. Even though when teams get in the red, uh, red zone, they score against Carolina, and no teams score more against Carolina uh, than teams do. They allow, or they're tied for the most points allowed so far this season at 226. That's 28.3 points per game with the Denver Broncos. Carolina has a, you know, terrible scoring defense, whereas Chicago is bottom five in that, just mediocre in yards per game. So, again, this is just a mediocre matchup, however you slice it. Two bad teams going at it, uh, but I just, to me, you know, I picked the Panthers last week because they beat uh, the Colts, and I thought they could get a little momentum going. Uh, Bryce Young killed that momentum with pick sixes and throwing interceptions. That's not recipe for success, nothing the Panthers do are good, are efficient. I trust the Bears more than I do the Panthers, which is why I'm picking Chicago tonight. Uh, if I had to bet, I'd probably say Chicago three-and-a-half-point favorite. I like the Panthers to cover because I do think it's going to be a close game. This game might even end up in a tie. That would not surprise me at all, but I'm picking the Bears to win. Panthers cover this game in a Truly bad. Well, I think I saw somebody project the score of this game to be 31-20, like another one, 24-20. And I was like, you think these two teams are going to score that much points? I don't think so. I think it's going to be a low-scoring 17-10, 17-4-ship matchup. Uh, ugly, bad football on display tonight. Uh, if you're trying to get your friends into watching football, might as well pass. There are better things to watch tonight. The Marvels is being released. Loki Season 2 finale is dropping as well. So when you have two other events bigger than the Thursday night football game, that's saying something. This one's bad. Thankfully, we've got a good one next week. I wish I could just start previewing that 
because that's the Bengals-Ravens. That's a heavyweight fight. Tonight we get early prelim, first fight of the night. Nobody's even in the arena yet. Just a bad, bad matchup. Now time to hand out some midseason awards to some players, to some teams, players I like. So, so far, my midseason MVP is Lamar Jackson. He's played brilliantly. He's the number one graded uh, quarterback by PFF Pro Football Focus. Now, he doesn't have gaudy passing numbers. Um, He doesn't, but he's efficient. It's nine touchdowns, uh, three interceptions. Uh, When you factor in that he has like six um, rushing touchdowns, that definitely, you know, helps out. I like seeing that, that he has by that five rushing touchdowns, so 14 on the year. Uh, he's efficient with his legs, 440 yards on the ground so far this season on 84 carries. Uh, the fumbles do concern me. He has fumbled the ball, um, you know, five times um, this year. A lot of fumbles for him. Don't like that um, going. But outside of the fumbles, Lamar has operated his offense efficiently. Uh, they are a good team, doesn't make mistakes throwing the ball. This is the best I've ever seen Lamar throwing, which is why I think if he keeps this up, he will win his second MVP. And even to me, they don't have to win the one seed, but if they win the division and just win more you know, more of their games down the stretch, he's going to win MVP because they have one of the toughest schedules down the road. Chiefs don't have that tough, but the Ravens uh, have to play the Steelers, Bengals, and Browns still uh, one time to finish off their division. Uh, they're already 2-1 and one against their division. Uh, big games coming up for them. They still have to play the Chargers, the Jaguars, the Niners, the Dolphins. So, yeah, um, this is a loaded schedule for them to finish off the year. Um, be very surprised if they get the one seed. It would be very deserving then for Lamar to win MVP because I'm assuming if they win their division, get that one seed. His stats that he's been dishing out so far will have remained the same or have gone up. So they're they're still doing great. How about my midseason Super Bowl pick? So my preseason pick was Bengals-Cowboys. Should I stray from it? Bengals looked rocky to start the year. They've won four in a row. Chiefs have been more solid. Ravens have been more solid. Or how about the NFC? Cowboys were my team. They struggled. Lions have looked better. And the Eagles have looked better. But nope, I am not switching my pick yet. I still like both these teams. I am more confident in the Bengals than the Cowboys. But the Bengals are a great football team. They are going to continue to get better. Joe Burrow, obviously, has looked way different since he's been off the injury report and is able to use his legs, uh, run for first downs. As he acknowledged this past Sunday night, what's the difference between now and, you know, the first few weeks? His response was, I'm able to run. That's a big thing for quarterbacks. Extending plays, uh, throwing off your, uh, you know, right foot is a right-handed throw of a football. Big things for him. He's improved. His team is still great. I'm rolling with the Bengals and the Cowboys. I loved what they did against the Eagles. Did they get the win? No, they didn't, but they moved the ball up and down the field. Dak was sensational. I thought that was a great game by the Cowboys. 
um, stopping Jalen Hurts. I think they can do a touch better stopping the run. But I think come, uh, you know, a few weeks from now when they play in Dallas, I think Dallas will get that last laugh. And if they play again in the postseason, I like Dallas to get it too. This is a good team. Uh, Jalen Hurts dealing with an injury. And Cowboys mostly fresh outside of their Trayvon Diggs and other injuries that they've already sustained. So those are my two picks. AFC Championship game. I believe I had it after the Jets lost Aaron Rodgers. I had Bengals Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I am changing it to Bengals Ravens. I think this would be an epic uh, championship game. Uh, Again, I think whoever gets a one seed uh, will get there. And I believe the one seed will be the Bengals over Ravens. I think these are two great teams, or even if they are, um, split, I believe it's going to be a one and four, or my bad, it's going to be like a one and one and five or two and four type thing where they can get to the AFC championship together. I think the Ravens, this version, can beat the Chiefs, and I've already seen the Bengals beat the Chiefs, so that's nothing new there for me. A lot of people like the Jaguars and the Chiefs. I like the Bengals and the Ravens. NFC. I think I had Niners-Cowboys. I'm changing it to Lions-Cowboys. I think the Lions can honestly get the one seed. I still think the Cowboys can win the division, set up a 1-2 Lions-Cowboys. I think the 49ers just don't have the pieces. I shouldn't say don't have the pieces. They don't have the quarterback. They have tremendous talent, but Shanahan, I think, is 1-29 on Chaley when entering the fourth quarter. He has a tough time coming back, calling plays to adjust, and Brock Purdy is not the guy you want trailing in the fourth fourth quarter. We've seen that this year, and I think that will continue to prove the case when you play these better teams, play on the road, play in the playoffs. When it is close, uh, you're going to have to come back and win some of these, and they've shown that they can't do that. And I also think Eagles, um, I don't think they can give it to the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Uh, too many factors going against them. Uh, their secondary, not as strong as it was last year. It is one of the worst secondaries in the league. They get burned by a lot, give up a ton of yards passing. That is not a recipe for success when you have to face so many good quarterbacks in the playoffs. Uh, you can't you know, sustain that. It's not sustainable. Then how about a couple of mid-season surprises? Well, how about the Texans? To me, the Texans are the most surprising team of the NFL. The Cinderella story that teams are, or people or fans are rooting for because they're 4-4. Four and four. Nobody, including myself, picked them to go 4-4 four and four after, you know, they uh, traded their future pick, this next year's first-round pick for Will Anderson to the Cardinals. And, you know, they were doing these trades. A lot of people thought, oh, Cardinals are going to get the one and two picks this year, but Texans are not a good team. Well, the Texans have been a very good team this year. C.J. Stroud has been balling. He's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, they have put up a lot of points. They have scored. Their one shocking loss to me was against the Panthers, when it's like, oh, wow. But, you know, you rebound from that. C.J. Stroud drops 470. Against the Bucks, they've beaten a lot of teams. Uh, this Texans team is frisky. Uh, they still have to play 
the Jags again. This time it will be in Houston. And can Houston challenge the Jags for the AFC South crown? Uh, I think it's very unlikely. But the way they're playing, you got to give them a shot. You just do. Next, another team I'm surprised for, for the opposite reason, even though similar record. That's the Buffalo Bills who are sitting at 5-4. and four. If you were to told me that the Buffalo Bills were going to start 5-4 and four this year, I thought you'd be crazy. I really do. Um, I thought at most uh, through these uh, couple weeks they would have three losses at most. I thought they'd easily be you know a seven and two team instead of a five and four team, maybe six and three. Uh, but they open ugly loss against the Jets uh, with especially Aaron Rodgers not playing really that whole game. To lose that is uh, insane. Then to lose to the Jaguars in London is understandable considering the Jaguars are, you know, frisky. That's basically their home team or home stadium is in London. Um, So they're used to it. Uh, Bills are not. Surprising loss to the Patriots. I mean, just an ugly loss there um, to let Mac Jones and the anemic Patriots offense who hasn't done much all year. Score like your highest point total on you. That's embarrassing. You beat the Giants only by five. Only scored 14 points wasn't good. And then you just got beat by the Bengals. Understandable, that one. But five and four for a team that has been hyped up. Again, I've said it's just sad to see how far the Bills have gone uh, from where they were, you know. And I I don't mean that to say divisional round against the Chiefs. I can just say uh, how they finished. Um, last year, last year looked good. Year before it looked good. Year before that, AFC Championship game. So they have been a good regular season team, and it looks like it's slowly starting to unravel for them um, and starting to fall apart into where they're just going to be soon a bad team. Then... I just want to make a few picks. So there's really not a lot of great games this weekend. It's uh, really, I think, the bottom of the barrel of the NFL. There's a lot that I'm confident in picking this week. I shared with you my primetime pick tonight. A couple games that I think are good. Texans-Bengals. So uh, I think Bengals aren't a win-back game, but it, the spread is 6.5 points. And it's very interesting because uh, will uh, Jamar Chase play? Uh, listed as doubtful uh, with a, you know, back injury that he sustained against the Bills. If he doesn't play, um, take the, you know, I'd still take the Bengals to win, but take the points with Houston. I mean, Houston can definitely cover its incency, so it favors him. But this is a sneaky matchup. Who would have thought coming into Week 9 that the Texans-Bengals would have been one of the better matchups of the week? Not me. Another game, 49ers-Jaguars. So this one is in Jacksonville. Uh, Hurts, San Francisco. I don't see the 49ers losing four in a row. I don't. A lot of people are saying, hey, 49ers are losing this game. They lose four in a row. Uh, I think you've got to make some changes other than moving Steve Wilkes from the booth uh, down to the field. Um, you've got to make some serious changes. And, of course, you can now because the trade deadline has passed. And nobody really at free agency. Uh, San Francisco has to win this one. 
Trent Williams' status is still in the air, Debo Samuel. Uh, but this, to me, is a must-win for San Francisco, figuring they still play the Seahawks twice, and they still play the Eagles and the Ravens. Uh, a really tough stretch of games that they have starting November 23rd to December 25th. It's a month straight, uh, really, of their four games of five that are going to be difficult for them. Don't want to follow five and four now. Then another sneaky matchup, Lions-Chargers. So some people picking the, the Chargers upset here. Lions are the road favorite. And I like the Lions to win. Uh, this isn't a hostile road environment. There's going to be more Lions fans there. Then Chargers fans, it's also uh, good weather, indoor stadium. Lions shouldn't be phased. Uh, off of bye week two, slowly incorporating Donovan Peoples-Jones, getting Jamison Williams more into it. I believe they know how to use both Gibbs and Montgomery if Montgomery is back. Uh, I just think it is too much for the Chargers, who didn't look great on offense. I believe they'll bounce back offensively, but I like the Lions to win. Then another one I want to highlight, I'll be there Sunday night, Jets-Raiders. I'm picking the Jets. Jets, slim one-point favorites, but I'm picking the Jets outright over this team, uh, mainly because not offensively. I think, you know, watching this game, especially live, it's going to be a, a punt fest. But Aiden O'Connell starting, and he's going up against a great defense. Jets are the only team uh, with two top corners in Sash Gardner and DJ Reed and two top line, two top ten linebackers with uh, C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. Uh, Keenan's also in their defensive tackle. This is an elite defense. I believe they can shut down the threat of Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, and confuse Aiden O'Connell. Low-scoring game but I do like the Jets to win this one. And I'll preview Monday night as well since I won't be doing a podcast Monday. be going back from Vegas. But Broncos-Bills, I believe Bills win. Bills undefeated at home. I believe they cover against them, which are seven-point favorites. They win by a touchdown plus convincingly. I like the Bills to beat the Broncos on that Monday night. Now let's move on to college football. More Michigan news. What else is there to talk about with college other than Michigan? I guess I can talk about the playoff rankings, but that didn't change at all. So, so Michigan. So, you know, it's, it's funny that some things come out about Michigan. So they were warned about the punishment, which I talked about on Tuesday. Well, yesterday they officially responded. Uh, Tuva punishment, uh, so it seems like they're, you know, gearing up, you know, attorneys, a law firm, if, you know, a suspension uh, were to happen to Jim Harbaugh. It looks like as of right now, the Big Ten with what Michigan's response was and then some of the things they gave about opponents to Purdue, other Big Ten opponents, they're waiting uh, on this. And I think it's a smart move uh, to wait. You don't want to rush to a decision when you don't have all the facts. Uh, you can have a good feeling about some of the evidence, but you just don't know all the facts. And it was funny as well, as it was reported by Yahoo Sports, I touched on, I believe, a couple podcasts ago, and then another uh, reporter from ESPN, Heather Dinich, who has been a, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan hater for this sign allegation scandal, said today, 
and I quote that to her sources have confirmed to her that Jim Harbaugh had no knowledge or involvement in the sign stealing investigation. So Jim Harbaugh had no knowledge or stealing. That's kind of the consensus uh, that he has it. So why, if they have that, you know, there's a couple things I find funny. They're not really talking about that. They don't care because they're just out to get Jim Harbaugh. As Dan Orlovsky said on Get Up Today, ESPN, that it seems very witch hunt now. It's just turned on Jim Harbaugh. Um, and, of course, there's this rule in the NCAA, not in the Big Ten sportsmanship thing, but in the NCAA, they really they have to punish the head coach because it's his program. Uh, you know, if something goes on within his program, he's got to have to take the fall for the punishment. So I don't want to bring anything, you know, religious up in this podcast or anything like that. But there's um, really two ways uh, to look at principles, rules, regulation. Um, and that is, you know, when you're enforcing something like this, are you enforcing this because they are, you know, Jim Harbaugh was disobedient, uncompliant with this rule. You've got to go out there, uh, punish them, make a statement out of them because that was this weird rule in writing that nobody knew about. And again, how do you deal with that? Or do you deal with this program out of empathy? Uh, for a coach that was in the dark for this whole thing and the players, would you punish them for, again, not knowing anything and having a great season, talented people? Or would you punish those who didn't know about it? Again, Connor Stallions got fired slash resigned. There's other people in the program. Deal accordingly with them because, again, Connor Stallions didn't act alone, it sounded like. But Jim Harbaugh wasn't involved. If it was the uh, Matt Weiss guy who was already fired, you serve a ban from anybody else that had knowledge, yeah, you can suspend them, whatever you want. But since Jim Harbaugh had no involvement or knowledge, uh, it's hard to punish him. And I think you're going to look at the NCAA like, really, you're doing this to Jim? I'm fine. If the Big Ten does it for sportsmanship and they got to do it and they suspend Jim Harbaugh for a game next week against Maryland, I won't have any crazy reaction. Again, a slap on my wrist is fine for Jim Harbaugh, but if you're going to try to make an example out of him, the program, then there is no hope for BNCAA. It is a joke. It's a mockery. Uh, but, yeah. So that's my two cents on the latest news that have come in regarding Michigan. They do play Penn State this weekend. Uh, Michigan four and a half point favorites. I'm rolling for Michigan. Now, it really is Michigan against the world because so many people now don't want to see Michigan make the playoffs, so they're rooting for Penn State or for Ohio State later in the year. Uh, they want Penn State to knock out Michigan, but come on. We saw Penn State versus Ohio State. Drew Aller had such a difficult time moving the ball down the field. They're not explosive. You're not going to methodically march on Michigan and score touchdowns. Why? Because nobody's done it this year. Michigan hasn't had a defensive snap within the 10-yard line on a goal-to-go situation. Um, their average touchdown play allowed is 44.3 yards. So they're going to 
methodically march down. They're a terrible explosive offensive uh, play team. 120th they're ranking in that. So Michigan, four-and-a-half-point favorites, I actually think that's a uh, pretty you know favorable. I would take Michigan to cover that win all day, all night. Michigan is going to dominate Penn State from the kickoff, and they're going to make an example of Penn State. So you have that. Another game I want to highlight, Arizona-Colorado. I think Arizona's going to win. This is a team I like a lot. I think they're very good. I like Arizona to win that game. Then in the late afternoon, you have some you have some interesting games. You have Utah-Washington. Washington hasn't looked dominant. Can Utah uh, still a shot for the Pac-12 championship? Can they make some noise and disrupt the CFP? Um, I think Washington will pull it out. It's in Washington. But Washington is on official upset alert for me. I think Utah covers the 9.5 points. Tennessee, Missouri, uh, 13 versus 14. I like Tennessee in this game. Um, good team there. Then you have Oklahoma State, UCF. UCF played Oklahoma close. This one is in Central Florida. Oklahoma State's only two and a half point favorites. Oklahoma State coming off some big wins most recently against Oklahoma. Emotional rivalry, Bedlam coming to an end. Um, I like Oklahoma State, but should be a great matchup. Uh, USC, Oregon. I think USC is going to get absolutely smoked by Oregon. And then the game of the week, game day, Ole Miss, Georgia. As much as I would love to see Ole Miss win, Kirby Sparks not beat Georgia as the head coach of Georgia. That streak's coming to an end. I just don't see it. Again, I'd love to see Ole Miss upset Georgia. However, I think Georgia will win this game on Saturday. I'm picking the dogs, even though I'd love to see this upset. This has been Unbothered. If you're watching the Thursday night game tonight, have fun. Hope you all have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.